may be seated. If you would please turn in your copy of God's Word to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20. This morning we will be looking at verses 19 through 29. We take a break from our morning sermon series through the book of Leviticus this Easter morning to look at the peace that Jesus Christ's resurrection brings to all those that are found in him by faith. So with that, let us now give attention to the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, and life-giving word. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The grass withers and the flower fades the word of our Lord will stand forever. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Lord God, that we would see our resurrected Christ now as we sit under your word that confronts us with Jesus Christ as he ties his spirit to the gospel that is faithfully proclaimed. Be with me a feeble minister. By your Holy Spirit, help me to speak that which is in concert with your truth and the truth of the gospel and do a work by your spirit in the hearts of your people here this morning and draw us to our Lord and Savior, our raised up King, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. A famous American leader once said to the American people in the midst of war, If you want peace, you can have it in a second. You can have it right now. You just have to do one thing, surrender. 
I think that particular American statesman really summed up much of what peace looks like for us today in our culture. Watch films and television and read books. Much of the message concerning peace today is found in surrender, in acquiescing to the enemy. And in surrendering and contenting oneself with defeat, we might be able to have peace. I think this is nowhere more seen clearly than when it comes to the issue of death. The message we find in much of existential philosophy today, as we see it in television and movies and and books, and uh, I've seen today in a lot of stand-up comedy, it seems comedians are, are less and less comedians and more and more moral philosophers these days. And as we see these things, these, uh, especially the issue of death funneled through the media and entertainment, I think what we find is the message is death is inevitable. You can't fight it. You can't beat it. So don't worry about it and live as well as you can now. Surrender to its eventual victory over your life, and you can be at peace today. Do all the things that you can do now. Check off your bucket list and have a peace that comes through surrender. Well, what we see here in our passage before us is a completely different kind of peace. The first words from Jesus' lips three different times to his disciples are the words, peace be with you. And this peace that he declares is due to the fact that he has been raised from the dead. It is his resurrection that spawns his proclamation and his declaration to his disciples now. Peace be with you. But the peace that he issues to his disciples, unlike the peace that our culture tries to comfort us with, is not a peace that comes through surrender to death, but a peace that comes through conquering it. It's not a peace that comes from acting like death doesn't exist, like the enemy doesn't exist. Our culture does everything it can to deny the existence of death, and and this is a means we use in many ways to escape the reality of death. We feed ourselves all the medication we can. We try to convince ourselves that we will be young forever, and we keep death at an arm's length, and we think somehow that is going to give us peace. But that is not the peace that Jesus brings here. No, it is a peace that comes from meeting the enemy, from meeting death head on and tasting death to its bitter end and rising triumphant and victorious over it. The peace of Christ is not the weak and feeble peace that our culture brings us today. No, it is a strong peace. It is not a peace that comes through denial and surrender. No, it is the peace that Christ brings through war and meeting the enemy head on and rising victorious over it. It's not a surrendering peace. It's a victorious peace. It is a resurrection peace. 
And what I want to do this morning on this Easter morning is just look at three things that that resurrection peace that Jesus Christ brings us gives us. I want us to see that it brings us a new obedience, it brings us a new king, and it brings us a new faith. First, a new obedience. In verse 21 of our passage, Jesus uh, says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. With the resurrection of Jesus Christ comes the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, there is a new obedience given to Christ's people. These disciples here, as we see in the context of this passage, are hidden away behind locked doors out of fear for the world around them. But they are now able to listen to the commission of their Lord to go out into that very world that they fear and proclaim the gospel because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on them. They have been given a spirit of obedience. Ezekiel 36, 27, a prophecy about Jesus Christ and his effect, says this, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. The peace that Christ's resurrection brings us is a reconciliation between God and man. For man is no longer an enemy of God, but he is now his friend. He is now a child of God. He, he cries out along with Christ, Abba, Father. And due to the Spirit poured out into his heart, he now freely submits to the household rules of the head of the household, his Father in heaven. Not by his own strength but by the strength the Spirit provides, which Christ pours out as a result of his finished work. In other words, peace and law are not antithetical terms. Peace and law are not contrary to each other. They rather live in harmony within the kingdom of God. In Psalm 85, the psalmist will speak about a restored Israel when God will come and save Israel. And in verse 10 of Psalm 85, the psalmist says, righteousness and peace kiss each other. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Resurrection peace is a peace that lives in concert with God and his word. It is a peace that is united to God and to his law. And this is completely contrary to the kind of peace, again, that our culture offers us. What is the peace our culture offers us? The culture says today, uh, peace is found in ourselves. It is found in our own autonomous rules and laws that we give to ourselves. Disengage yourself from any kind of law. Disengage yourself from any kind of external authority and be free and at peace. The Bible tells you not to lust. The culture says to you, give in to your lust. 
and be at peace. Give in to the things the Bible tells you not to do, which is constraining you and keeping you from truly being at peace and free and throw it aside. Be your own God and you can be at peace. Law and peace are very much in our culture antithetical, contrary realities and terms. That is the peace our world offers us today. It is not the resurrection peace of Jesus Christ. Resurrection peace is not an autonomous rule over our lives. It does not translate to disengagement from God's word, quite the opposite. It translates to a full engagement with the word of God and a submission and obedience to it. To submit to resurrection peace is to submit to God and his word by the power of his Holy Spirit. And the more we grow in our obedience to God and to his word, the more we experience the peace of God that comes through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. As Christians, I think we so often say, especially here on Easter Sunday, isn't it true? We say, I believe all of this. I believe intellectually. I act, yes and amen to Jesus Christ being raised. The, the tomb is empty, but I know nothing in my own life about the peace that Jesus Christ offers here. My life is filled with stress. It's filled with anxiety. It's filled with guilt and shame. I I say yes and amen to the empty tomb, but I know nothing about the peace that Jesus Christ says he brings. Well, I want to submit to you today that that feeling more often than not comes from a definition of peace that our culture gives us and not a definition of peace that the word of God gives us. It comes from seeing the Holy Spirit primarily as an agent of existential feelings and emotions rather than as an agent of obedience to God and to his word. And what follows in our lives is chaos and confusion. I say yes and I mean it but I have no peace. If the Bible and the prayer room are collecting dust in your lives, you should not expect the resurrection peace of Christ to reign supreme in it. Resurrection peace brings a new obedience so that now by Christ's spirit, we are enabled to say no and no more and more to sin and yes and amen to God and to his rules to his statutes, and to his word. And as we grow in our obedience to God and to his word, we experience, we taste the delight more and more of resurrection peace that is given to us through Christ and his raised up body. Second, resurrection peace brings a new king. Resurrection peace brings a new king. Verse 28, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. It is one of the most amazing statements in all of Scripture. This word Lord here is is the Greek word kurios, and it 
was a word that was often in the ancient world attached to a king. The common saying you would see in first century Rome was that Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Curios. And so essentially here Thomas could very well be saying, my king. But then he says, my God. And this Greek word is theos. And it refers specifically and explicitly and only to divinity. It refers to the God of all creation who has made all things simply by his word, as the gospel writer John makes clear in his prologue in chapter 1. And it is the first time in this gospel that Jesus is labeled theos by his disciples. Due to his resurrection from the dead, Thomas can say his resurrected king is his God. His resurrected king is his creator. What stands before Thomas is the God of all creation, made flesh, risen from the dead, and he is Thomas's king and ruler. Here is one who is not only able to win peace, but one who is able to keep the peace. As the God-man, God-made flesh, dying for the sins of the world and rising victorious from the grave, seated at the right hand of God the Father, now governing his kingdom from up on high. Any good historian will tell you the downfall of empires and nations is almost without fail due to poor leadership, due to poor governance, poor leadership, and poor governance that is unable to sustain peace. It's one thing to bring peace for your people by defeating the enemy. It's a whole other thing to keep and sustain the peace that you have won through that victory. It is said that at the close of the 1787 Constitutional Convention, when the American founders drafted the Constitution, a woman came up to Benjamin Franklin and said, Sir, what have you come up with? And Franklin now, with that famous response, said to her, A republic, madam, if you can keep it. A republic, madam, if you can keep it. I think those words from Franklin so capture the tenuous nature of peace under the sun. Good leaders come and go and are replaced by bad ones. Good government comes and goes and and is replaced by bad governments. And such is the fragile nature of peace in a world that is dominated by death and sin, but Christ's kingdom, Christ's peace, is not fragile and insecure. It is not here one day and gone the next. No, it is strong, and it is everlasting. Isaiah 9, verse 6 through 7, Jesus is called the mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
The peace of Christ's kingdom is not dependent upon future generations as Franklin's Republic was. It is dependent upon Christ and Christ alone, who even now is seated at the right hand, reigning and ruling over his kingdom in righteousness and justice, securing forever that peace he has won due to the empty tomb. So that peace is secure for all the citizens of his kingdom, which will have no end. What sort of peace are you clinging to today? What peace are you hanging your hopes on? Is your peace and security resting upon you or anything else that is destined for the dust? Or is your peace clinging to the shoulders of Jesus Christ on whom the government rests? That rests in him and his scepter that will never, ever be handed over to another. A scepter he holds now and forever and into eternity itself. Where are you clinging your peace to this morning? Is it to a peace that is destined for the ground? Or is it a peace that reigns forever up on high? It is a peace that is secure for all those that bow down to him and say, my Lord and my God. Third and finally, resurrection peace brings a new faith. Resurrection peace brings a new faith. Verse 27, Jesus says, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. It is at this that Thomas is able to utter the words, My Lord and my God, and believe in Jesus Christ. But I want us here this morning to simply notice the situation of these disciples where this new faith is established. We are told in verse 19, the disciples have locked their doors out of fear of the Jews. Their thought is the very same people that have killed Jesus are now going to search out his disciples and and kill them. And they are hidden away in sin and faithlessness and, and fear. They've all scattered when Jesus was arrested, leaving Jesus alone to die. Jesus' best friend Peter has denied him three times. The whole situation with the disciples here is one of disbelief, fear, cowardice. What marks the radical difference? What marks the change from fear and sadness to gladness and to faith? It is Christ breaking through the locked doors and confronting his disciples with the peace he brings through his resurrection. In other words, all the disciples can offer is fear, sin, and disbelief. And it is Christ that initiates the confrontation with them. It is Christ that moves towards them in the midst of their cowardice, in the midst of their disbelief, and elicits the faith that he brings through his encounter with them as they are away in locked doors 
filled with fear and sin and faithlessness. Romans 10, verse 6, the righteousness that is based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? For that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Faith in Jesus Christ is not us confronting Christ. It is not us building a ladder up to him, whether it be through our works or intellectual ascent. No, it is Christ bursting open our closed and locked doors, meeting us in our dark corners where we hide ourselves in fear and in sin. And he comes and he says, trust in me. Do not disbelieve, but believe. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is faithfully proclaimed, we are mere recipients that are being confronted by the resurrected Christ who now speaks by his spirit through his word. And his confrontation is not based upon our life and how good we are. He confronts us not when we have it all together and we are moral and upright. No, he confronts us when we are cowards, when we are sinners, locked behind closed doors. And he approaches us and announces to us victory over sin and death. He announces to us peace that will have no end. And he simply says, believe. Where are you at this morning? Are you locked behind closed doors filled with guilt, shame, fear, and anxiety? The answer for you today is not pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get up, you coward, and be strong. Get up, you sinner, and be righteous. That is not the answer the resurrected Christ brings you this day. The answer is in Christ and in Christ alone, who alone is the resurrection and the peace. And he breaks through in the midst of your filthiness, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your fear and your anxiety. And he says, do not disbelieve, but believe and enter in to resurrection peace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Oh, that we would believe and not disbelieve this morning. And oh, that you would pour out your spirit and give us a new obedience so that as we grow and are sanctified, as we say goodbye to our old life that was in rebellion against you, we might taste the delights of resurrection peace. And we pray, oh, Father, that this day we would bow down as Thomas bowed down and say, my Lord, my God, pour out your spirit that we would cling to our raised up king by faith this morning. Do this, we pray, for we ask it 
in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Would you please stand for our closing hymn, Up from the Grave He Arose.